Spirit is added to his body. Build your church. That's what the Lord is doing. All right, let's get into the word of God. I'll be fully transparent with you. Uh, I feel there are some times when I, when I preach and I'm like, ah, I just don't know. I don't know how this one's going to land. Uh, but then there are, there are times that I'm like real clear that the Lord is speaking and it's for the body. This is one of those sermons. So if y'all could open up to first, not first, go to Psalms, book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalms 55. Go to Psalm 55. Hey man, shout out to everybody that, that brought... Um, this past Friday together, and it was a, it was a lot, man. It was it was a lot. I, if you guys saw the behind the scenes, you wouldn't you wouldn't even you wouldn't even fathom it. You would not even believe it. In fact, this room that we're sitting in right now, if you would have saw it Friday morning, it was a hot mess. It was like I mean, destiny in my lion. It was dust everywhere. We had to buy this stuff called green dust that you throw down and it like moisturizes and keeps the dust from going up in the air. It was it was just it was it was a mess. And thank you guys for um, for your grace. It is still unfinished. It's still a little tacky. We still working on it, um, but we're, we're not going to focus on what it's not. We're in the building. We and, and the sound is feeling good. The, the lights is working. Stage a little dusty, but we working on it. We ain't got no doors, but we working on it. The sinks is small, bathroom, we working on it. We working on the project. But God, is, um, God, God has been really good and God, God has been really faithful. And I just want to shout out everybody that served, um, not just in the service, but just all week. There were people in here all week doing stuff. And I'm just grateful for you guys. I already shouted out Gabe and Ed, but I, I love these brothers, man. These brothers are near and dear, like 100% near and dear to my heart. My... I talked to my mother last night and she said, you tell Gabe and Ed if they ever think about quit, quitting because if you ain't got the money, I'll give them my pension. That's what, that's what she said. That's what she said. I, I don't make that up. She meant that too um, because they are a godsend. But shout out to everybody. I, I do got to give some special love to the worship team that held it down. Come on, y'all give some love for the worship team, man. They are so gifted. They could be doing this stuff anywhere, but they choose to serve. I mean, Zuri literally has a movie coming out this week. And she was singing on Friday and she's singing this morning. Uh, but shout out to all of the worship team. Uh, I'm going to give some special love to Jeremiah. Always holding it down. Stand up, Jeremiah. I just want them to see that zebra. Turn around. Is that mint? Is that a mint? That's like a mint. You coordinate that well. And give some love for our musical director, Matthias. He's the man. You was on the West Coast earlier in that song. I was appreciating it. All right, let's get into the word. Psalm 55, pick me up in verse four. I'm just gonna jump right in. Hear the words of David. And do me a favor, pay attention to every word. Don't just pay attention to scripture, like the, 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 the actual scripture, but pay attention to every word in the scripture. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Jump to verse 16 real quick. Watch the resolve he has at the end of this. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. I want to preach today 
uh, from the topic that's really posed as a question, want to get away. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, sometimes do you just want to get away? <laughs> Normally it's rhetorical, but you can answer that. Like, is there times that you just really just want to like, you just want to dip. You don't want to be around. I think we're in good company today because the scriptures are going to help us. Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, I, I 100% would not foolishly think I can open this word and not be under your authority. And so, Father, would you decrease me and increase yourself? I pray that when we walk out of here, nobody would remember me or know my name, but that we would know that Jesus was proclaimed today. Father, you, 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 don't, you don't lie. There, you, no, there's no cap with you. When you make a promise, you fulfill it. And you've promised us that your, when your word goes out, it doesn't return void. Your, ver, your, your word accomplishes exactly what it says it's going to do. It saves the lost, strengthens the found. It transforms our lives and helps us to think different and helps us to be different. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as we get into your word today, it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray that Jesus would be seen and heard today. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Want to get away. Uh, Ty and I had to do some traveling earlier this week. And um, we, we jumped on a flight in, for, for a friend's birthday and uh, celebrated his birthday with him. We flew to, flew to Jamaica. Now, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was 80 degree weather. We came back to that hawk, came back to that brick. It, was, it came back, it was 30 degrees. And, you know, when I, I jumped in an Uber and went to the airport. And so, you know, I went with some, you know, I didn't have a jacket. went with little thin pants and little, and I got back and I could not believe how cold it was. But, you know, there's, when, when, when we travel, there are, a couple of preferences that I have. And I know I'm not alone. I know some of y'all have preferences as well. There's really two. The first preference I have has to do with what airport we leave out of. Anybody else like me, like you got a personal preference. I choose JFK for several reasons, but really it's 15 minutes from my house. So it's closer and it's cleaner. Now LaGuardia is on the come up. They started from the bottom and I mean the bottom. They, they, they moved on up a little bit, got a little waterfall going on. But the main reason I don't like LaGuardia is, is not because it was filthy. The main reason I don't like LaGuardia is because when I get on a Jackie Robinson, there's something unspiritual that happens to me. I come, I don't care how, how spiritual I am that day, I don't care if we got worship music playing. When I get on the Jackie Robinson, it makes you cuss people out in a way that you just normally wouldn't do. It's, it's the bends, it's the turns, it, it's the, it's the you, you know, the people cutting you off. And I'll just be honest with y'all, y'all forgive me for this, but it's also driving closer to the Bronx. It's just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. You feel filthy when you get to the airport. I'm sitting there, my son. You can't take no more? <laughs> I just I don't I, I personally don't like LaGuardia I'll leave it at that that's my first preference my second preference is airline 
There are certain airlines I like and there are certain airlines I don't. Now, you may not agree with this, but I like American Airlines. I've traveled with them for a while. It's okay, but I travel with them for a while. I've, I've accrued some, some traveler miles with them. You know, it's, it's always pretty, you know, kind. Now, any flight that goes up and comes down safely, I'm good with. But I, I particularly like American Airlines. Now, I know there's some, some foolish people in this room that like Southwest. Unless you in group A, you ain't getting your luggage up in, you group B and C, you can just put your bag on the side because you'll get it when you get off. I personally don't like Southwest, but as, as we were traveling earlier this week, we walked past the terminal and it was a Southwest terminal and they, they had a, a slogan, on, on a sign, on, and it was a, a slogan on the sign and the slogan said, want to get away. Now, what was interesting about that was yeah, it's a great slogan, but what I like most about it is I know that it is consistent with the lives of the people in this room. There are some situations that you are dealing with right now or you have dealt with or you're going to deal with that when you're in the midst of it, let's be honest. The only thing we're thinking is, how do I get out of this? Anybody there now, like you, you just got a situation right now that you're just like, I'm tired of it. I want to be done with it. I want to exit away from it. So some of it, some of it is, a, is a marriage that's on the brink of divorce and you're tired, you don't try counseling and you don't try counseling and you don't try to get help and you're just tired and there's those moments where you want to get away and if you're here with your spouse, don't say amen right now. Just listen to this one. But, it, but, it, but it's true. All of us have had that, that experience where we just want to get away. Maybe it's an unruly child and you were ready to kick them out and they only three. Like, I'm just tired of them. They got to get a job. They got to they gotta move on out. Maybe it's a job that is stressful and your boss is riding you and you touch somebody said amen. I hope that wasn't Gabe. That would hurt. That would hurt me. He not in here. All right. Maybe it's a job. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's the lack of a job. And you, you know, you feel qualified and and, you know, you, you, done, you done worked up your resume and maybe it's a business plan you worked on, a prospectus you worked on, or you got your 30, 60, 90 and you got all your points and you ready. You, you, did, you did all the research for the job and you get to the interview and you walk away and you're like, I killed that interview only to be let down after time after time after time. Those are the moments where we feel like we just get to want to get away from it. Maybe it's family drama. Oh, I need somebody to say amen right there. Anybody got cousins or brothers or aunts, mothers, fathers that just get on your nerves a little bit? Maybe it's family members and the family members, you're like two seconds away from cussing them out. So you're like, you know what I got to do? I just got to get away from this one. Those are the moments where we all just want to escape. Well, look, we're in good company. Yeah, you're in good company here because all of us have that experience. But we're in good company because the writer of the text today had the same exact experience where he wanted to get away. Now, the inscription above the text, I hope you all have your Bibles. If y'all got taken notes, start quick. I'm preaching already. It, the, the inscription above the text says to the choir master with string instruments. And then it, it, it gives it attributes the credit to David. Now, there are many commentators that have suggested that scholars uh, and historians later on have said, David, we think David wrote it, but maybe David didn't write it. Some say David didn't write it, but it sounds like David wrote it. So we're going to put David's name on there. I would, I would disagree with all of them. What they're basically accusing him of is being an ancient Drake where the lyrics is tight, but you ain't write them. 
Oh, y'all think Drake wrote all his lyrics? I was talk talking to my son about him. I saw was like, man, Drake, he's nice, but he ain't that nice to have hit after hit after hit somebody else's ghostwriting. And so they're, they're accusing David right now of ghostwriting Psalm 55, but I would beg to differ. This passage is consistent with the way David writes. It's consistent with his vulnerability. It's consistent with, with how uh, uh, honest he is. But it also points me back to a specific situation in David's life. This passage would have been written when a, a guy by the name of Absalom was ready to overthrow David and take the kingdom from him. Somebody say Absalom. There's a couple of things you should know about this, this guy named Absalom. Number one, the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that Absalom was charismatic and handsome. Like, you know you a G. When the Bible says, you a G. Here's the way the scripture will say it. It says in 2 Samuel 14, verse 25, no one in Israel was as handsome or as well-built as Absalom. There was a point in Absalom's life, every year he would get his hair cut, once a year. And when he would get his hair cut, they would weigh his hair. Do you know his hair came out to five pounds? Andre DeBarber's in here. Can you imagine cutting five pounds of hair? His hair would be... His hair would weigh five pounds. He was handsome, according to the text. He was charismatic, and he used that charisma, and he used his looks in order to influence people to do a January 6th against David. They, they are trying to do an insurrection against David. So that's the first thing you need to know about Absalom is that, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a charismatic guy. But more importantly, you got to understand that Absalom is David's own son. Not just his son, it's his third son. In fact, think about this. David says later on, and it's in verse 12, he says, for it's not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary then I, who is dealing insolent uh, with me, then I could hide from it. But it is you, my, uh, my, it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. These are all words to describe a very intimate relationship. And there is no closer relationship than a parent and his child. And so David says, the person that's trying to overtake me right now is my own son. You've got to understand how kings rose to power in ancient times. There was no electoral college. There was no voting booths. There were no Georgia runoffs in the Bible. You know what it was in the scriptures? If you rose to power, it's because you poisoned the last king or you stabbed him while he was in the shower. And then you rose over power and you typically would kill off family members and anybody that was loyal to him. And then you would rise into power. And so in the scripture today, it doesn't give us an enemy that is rising up against David. It's his own flesh and blood. When I talked about y'all family, some of y'all was like, yeah, my family, I'm tired of them. I can guarantee you your, never, your family never tried to raise, rise to power and kill you. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Y'all got quiet on that point. And so what, what, what David gives us in Psalm 55 is what's called a psalm of lament, where he, is, where he is in sorrow, where he is in grief because his own son tried to kill him. Pick me up in verse four. I told y'all to pay attention to the words. Watch this. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me and fear and trembling have come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. Pay attention to the words that he uses in just one verse. In verse number four, uh, he uses, it's actually verse four and five, he uses anguish. Somebody say anguish. Terror. Somebody say terror. Death. Somebody say death. 
trembling, horror, overwhelmed, and fearful. Now notice, David isn't expressing that he's in any real physical danger right now. He is expressing that he's emotionally in danger right now. He's like, I'm stressed out. I got anxiety. I'm depressed. I'm going through. And what David is giving us right now is David is showing us that the fear is so overwhelming that he just wants to get away from it. And here's what's crazy about the text, that this is, don't miss this, this is actually King David. Why, why does that mess me up? David, the king, is fearful? Do you know how fearless David was in other parts of Scripture? Like, let, let's go to 1 Samuel 17 and just think about the story with Goliath. Bible says that he was a young shepherd boy at that time, not even a king. He's bringing lunch to his brothers who were fighting in the battle, and his brothers were scared, and the rest of Israel was scared. And the Bible says that David overhears Goliath, and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the army of the Lord? The Bible says he goes and picks up five smooth stones, and he takes one of them, and he slings it, and he sinks it into the forehead of Goliath. Now, you would think that that's bold and brazen and, and, and strong, but here's where the fearlessness really comes in. He then walks up to Goliath, and the Bible says that he takes Goliath and he cuts his head off. That David is fearful in the chapter today. Okay, that didn't get you. David also had a moment where he was tending to the sheep. And the Bible says that a lion came along, and a lion snatched up one of the sheep. And what does David do? David goes over and he opens up the mouth of the lion, takes the sheep out, and then kills the lion, not with a weapon, not with a spear, not with a bow and arrow, but with his bare hands. Okay, that didn't get you. He says, wait, wait, wait. But then a bear came, and I killed the bear with my bare hands. Brothers, I know y'all feel like y'all strong. I know y'all be working out. But you wouldn't last two seconds in the ring with David because he rips lions apart. He, he, rip, he rips bears apart. And then they had a whole song dedicated to him where they were saying, Saul slain a thousand, but David slain 10,000. That David was fearless in scripture. And in today's passage, that David is fearful. He's having a full out panic attack. He's having anxiety right now. Let me say that again. He's stressed. He's anxious and he's having a panic attack. And I don't know about you, but I love that David is honest. And if David can be honest that in this moment he's having an internal emotional breakdown, why do we come in church and hide our anxiety? Why do we come in church and hide our depression? Why do we take our depression medication and be like, don't know when nobody to see me? Why do we walk around and put on a church face and people be like, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Nah, B, you're not. You, you, you're, you're messed up. You're emotionally broken right now. You're anxious right now. Why do we hide those things? And I know I'm preaching directly to somebody, somebody that has been going through life and you've been going through life very surface and nobody really knows who you are because you've been hiding your anxiety. Listen to me. There is nothing holy about hiding your anxiety. Nothing holy about it. Can you imagine if the woman, of issue, the, the woman with the issue of blood did that when Jesus came up to her? And Jesus come up to him like, what can I do for you? And she'd been, you know, having an issue of blood for 18 years. Can you imagine she'd be like, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah. Jesus would have kept on going. 
And she would have kept her issue. Now, no, I'm not talking about you having a physical issue, but you might have an emotional issue and it is nothing holy about hiding it. You need somebody to express that anxiety to. You need a DNA partner, a discipleship partner. You need somebody you can confide in. You need counseling. You need therapy. And this ain't the church where we come in here and over-spiritualize your trauma. Now, come in here, come to the altar, get your heart right, but go back out and call up that therapist and say, can I book an appointment this week? Look, Ty and I had, I ain't afraid to say it, we had our counseling session this week. And sometimes that ain't peachy keen. That ain't always fun. I'm, I'm usually right. She's usually wrong. You know, got to show her it at some point. Every husband think they're right. They always think they're right. But we always have this anxiety around us and we like to hide it. We don't want to let people know. We want to act like our marriage is all together. Well, don't, don't tell them. Don't let them know that. Why? Do you not want help? We, we want to act like we're not tired singles of seeing everybody else engaged and getting married and we still lonely. And, and, that, and that, let me be careful here because I don't want the singles to think that marriage is the goal. Like it's, you get some spiritual reward because you're married. You can be single and saved. I need somebody to say amen right there. Just tell them the single lady's like, nah, I'm not good. That's not receiving that one, Pastor. You keep going to the next point. Why do we put on the church face? Why do we do that? Why do we come in here and act like we don't have issues? All of us have issues. And some of y'all, the most spiritual thing you can do this week is just be honest. Be honest with the people around you and be honest with yourself. That is the most spiritual thing that you can do. David's honest in the text. Look at what David says. He says, man, I, my heart is in anguish. I mean, look at the words. Terror and death has fallen apart upon me. Fear and trembling have come upon me. You need to be honest. This week, you need a good cry. You need a good nap. You need to sleep in. You need to call the job and be like, I need two more hours. Two more hours. I'll be on. Two more hours. Because, because many of us are, are working. Our, a lot of our anxiety is tied, tied behind the fact that we keep working. Not, not only... Oh, man. Not only do you need a good therapy session and a good nap, but somebody needs a good vacation. Y'all need vacations in the room. And what we do is we be like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to be frivolous with the money, you know, you know, but, but we, you, I think you have to look at it as an investment into your own spiritual health because you can't run at the pace that you're running at and thinking you're always going to be okay. At some point, the body will break down. I read a book called uh, The Body Keeps Scores. And it's about how you get all this emotional trauma. And at some point, all of that emotional trauma shows up physically. And some of you don't know why my, my eye twitching, you know, my, my, my back hurt. You don't know why you're under all this stress. Could it be because you haven't taken some time off? Do you know we give our staff here at the church every Friday off? Every Friday. Every, you know why? Because somebody want to get a job at the church. You know, you know why? Because there are studies that prove you're more productive when you actually rest. Do you know the UK? I mean, literally, I just read this, that over 400 companies are trying this trial where they'll do four-day work weeks. And, you, and the reason why you do that is because you think that you can produce more when people are taking some time off. Some of you need just a good vacation. Look, I told you we went to Jamaica. It wasn't vacation vacation because, you know, I had to do some work here, but also... 
you know, we were celebrating a friend's birthday, so we wouldn't quite vacation, but you better believe Ty and I walked that beach. You better believe we put on our little things and sat down at the beach and went to sleep. You better believe we did communion. If you know, if you get my drift. Am I right, Ty? It's too much? It's too much? She said it's too much. I, don't, I think she said that under that mask. Some of, y'all, some of y'all need a good vacation. And, you know, he, so, you know, don't ever let anybody make you feel bad for taking vacation. You know, some people will make you, you going on another vacation? You need to put your DJ Khaled voice on and say, and another one. And another one. When I was in my 20s and my 30s, I used to, I used to be fearful of telling people I was going on vacation because I'm like, I don't want them to think I'm frivolous with God's money. Now I'll be like, baby, where the passports at? Spain. Let's go to Amsterdam. Where else you want to go, baby? Let's go to, you want to go to Bora Bora? Let's go to Abu Dhabi. We Australia. The Maldives. That's okay. That's a little pricey, babe. Come on, babe. You went too deep there. Listen, every now and then you need time away. Look at what, in fact, David doesn't just say, I want to get away. Watch what David says in the text. He says, um, uh, 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 I, I would fly away and be at rest. What he's searching for is rest. And sometimes rest means you need to disconnect. Hebrews 12 talks about getting outside of the city gates. Sometimes New York is that place that's just so, so fast and it moves so quickly. And you can look up in six, seven, eight months. You're still sitting in this pace that is not sustainable. It's not, it's not, it's not sustainable. And don't you dare think that you can keep up with that. Remember when they was doing that, that, that you know, no sleep, whatever it is, be on your grind. That's the foolish thing I've ever heard. Even my God rested. I'm going to get some time to rest. It is the reason why if you look at, I'm going so off, in Exodus chapter 20, when he's given the Ten Commandments, look at what the longest commandment is. It's on rest. When he didn't want you to kill, he said, don't kill. When he, he, didn't, he didn't want you to commit adultery, he said, don't commit adultery. He didn't want you to serve other gods, don't serve other gods. When he got to rest, he spent a couple of verses talking about the importance of rest. Why? Because you need it. And some of you can tie your emotional issues right back to the fact that you haven't taken a day off. David is like, I've got to get away. i got to get out of this. His son is betraying him. He's fearful for his life. The kingdom is about to be taken from him. Look at what he says in verse 6. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry up to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. What is so interesting about King David, which, by the way, is often called a man after God's own heart. Notice when he gets into turmoil. Now, he does at the end of the chapter, but at the beginning of the chapter, his first initial response is to run away, not trust God. And, and let's not look side eye on David today, because most of us in this room, and I didn't say you, most of us in this room, when turmoil hits, Y'all know we don't run to God. Oftentimes, we run to a bunch of other stuff other than God. And I I know it's true. And if you're not careful, I don't want to paint this with a broad stroke, but if you're not careful, you will run to stuff that actually will bring more stress later on. This is why many times, you know, when people are are, are experiencing emotional trauma and they want to escape it, they run to so many other things. We try to escape by over-drinking. We overdrink and we, we drink so much and we drink ourselves into a place where we can escape temporarily. We drink our, ourselves into a place where we are not even cognizant. And the reason we do that is because we just, we just trying to get, we trying to escape. We, we do that with drugs. 
Do that with drugs. We do that with addictions. We do that with popping pills. The reason I'm high is not because I like the feeling. It's because I don't like the feeling of being in that emotional trauma. Some of us do it. Maybe it's not that deep as drugs and alcohol. But you know, binge watching sometimes can be an escape from reality. And I, we all do it. And here's the crazy thing about binge watching. We read a book about this, how you don't even have to like, you don't have to, you know, get up and do anything to watch the next show. You can just sit there and the next show will come on. Now, you can skip it if you want to to skip the intro, but you really can sit there and watch the full season. I've done it before. I've polished off at least eight or nine episodes in one day before. Anybody ever did that before? Y'all need to let me know what shows y'all binge watching. Because I'm in between shows. I can't watch too many at one time. It's like books. I got one at a time. I can't do too many. But we use all of these escapes, and one of them is binge watching on not just Netflix, but every platform there is. Some of us do, do it by, and I said this the last time I was with y'all two weeks ago, emotional eating. We eat and we eat and we eat and we're like, man, I, I feel bad. I just don't feel healthy. It's because of the amount of eating. And I, this is holistic preaching. I'm sorry. I can't. It's not just theology. We got to get practical. Some of us eat emotionally and it's an escape. The food wasn't that good. You just are trying to escape for a quick moment with something that is temporarily satisfying. Sex is the same way. We indulge in sex and I'm talking sex outside of marriage. We indulge in these sexual escapades, and it's not because we like him, or it's not because we like her. It's because we want to escape. You don't really like them. You just want a tune-up. And you want that tune-up, not because he's cute. I'm going to set you free today. He ain't that cute. He got bad hygiene. He lived with his mama. But you convince yourself he nice and he the one. And so you get into this sexual relationship. And at the end of the day, I know this might be too much. Babe, am I good today? Did, did, but we do this stuff. Seriously, we do this stuff. And it's all an escape. All of, all of it is I'm just trying to escape the reality for a moment. And so we have to be careful when we don't run directly to God like David didn't do. Now, he ends the chapter and runs to God. But in the beginning, he's like, man, I just want to get far away. I'm going to get in the wilderness. I'm going to get somewhere, and I just want to look for rest. But do you realize, and take this note down, rest is not the absence of issues. When you got Jesus, rest can be found in the middle of the issue. Let me say that again. Please write this down. Rest is not the absence of issues. When you got Jesus, rest can be found in the middle of the issue. Anybody ever been smacked dead in the midst of turmoil and you don't even know, like, why do I got this peace that surpasses all understanding? Oh, it's Jesus got me. He's holding me up. And some of you, honestly, you're go you've gone through stuff that others have gone through and they've lost their mind. But yet you have the audacity to be sitting in church with your right mind today. It ain't nothing but the Lord. This is why he says, hey, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. Somebody in this room is at the brink of giving up and you, you are ready to go crazy. But I came today just to tell you to hold on just a little bit longer because the God that I serve doesn't just keep me physically, but he keeps me mentally and emotionally. Can we praise a God that kept our mind? I, I don't know why I would have stick. Can you put your hand on your head and just say, God, I thank you for keeping it. Come on, for a second, God, I thank you for keeping my mind. I almost lost it. That situation almost took me out. But God, you have kept my mind. And God can do it 
and not take you out of the situation. And that's what we all want. We want, we want reprieve. We want retreat. We want to get out of the situation. But God is like, yo, you know how much I can do? Because oftentimes it is the process of the go through that helps you grow spiritually. I'm telling you, I know we don't like it. I don't like it. Sometimes I'm like, I, like, seriously, I got the lesson. Like, nah, you undone. Get back in the oven. Because he does that because he wants you. He's, he's pruning. This is why the Bible says, you know, he prunes to bear more fruit. The pruning process. In the, have you ever seen a tree pruned? It's cut. It's, it's taking stuff off. And oftentimes we go through, that is exactly what he is doing. God may not take you out, but that doesn't mean you don't have peace. You can still have peace and be smack dead in the middle of it. Notice this. David, he asked for wings to fly away. God doesn't magically make wings grow on his back and he flew away. He kept them in it. He kept them in it. But God is like, just the fact that I'm in it with you is what really counts. There's a story of a, of a professor that one of his students to, to draw a picture of perfect peace. So one little boy drew a picture of an a, a ocean, and it was, it was beautiful, and it, was, it looked calm, and it wasn't big waves. Another little boy drew a golf course. He says, my daddy goes on a golf course, and he's always finding peace there. So he draws a picture of a golf course. And then this one young lady drew a picture of crashing waves and dark skies and lightning and rain. And smack dead in the middle of the painting, she put a small little bird with a musical note. Professor comes up to her and is like, you, you got to be confused. You didn't understand the assignment. Little girl's like, no, I understood the assignment. That is a picture of perfect peace because the bird is in the midst of a storm and kept its song. And that's what God will do with some of you. Some of you are in the midst of a hard thing right now, but as long as you keep on singing because God is with you and you came in here today for me to yell at you and just say, keep on going. Don't quit. Don't give up. Persevere because God is doing something. God is doing something in you. Today in the text, David is like, look, I just want to I just, I just want to get away. I, I'm tired of this situation. Absalom is, is, is my, my own son is trying to betray me. I need to get out of it. But then David finally gets his mind right. He finally is like, oh, I forgot the God that I serve. And watch what he does. What helps him in his hard anxiety, his hardship and his anxiety is verse 16. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. What David understood was that what would help me in this emotional issue, not the only thing, but one of the things that helps is constant communication with God. That don't let your prayer life go in the midst of the hardship. And prayer doesn't mean that you got to be kneeling and praying all day and you got to be at the well and wall. Prayer, you can be on the train and offer up a prayer to God. Because God wants to hear from you. Look at what the text says. He says, and he hears my voice. And so prayer is the connect. Prayerlessness brings on anxiety. But when you pray, it has a way of helping. And that's exactly what David did. David went from saying, man, I just got to get away. If I had wings, I'd go into the wilderness. He gets from all that. And, and then he, he starts to end the chapter. And he's like, but I call to God. David understood that his dependency and, and his well-being emotionally was tied to his prayer life. And I, I believe that many of us in this room have to get into that prayer bag again. Somewhere along the line this year, you begin to fall off with prayer. And let me just ask the question, is anybody in this room like killing it with prayer? Like you, you just you murdering it. I'm, I'm all, me and God is like, 
You? You feel like you're in that season? A few, okay. In first, in the first, uh, in the first, um, Andrea too. In the first uh, service, the same thing. But do you notice most of the room is like, nah, I can do better. Because most of us in this room can do better with prayer. Most of us in this room that haven't talked to God in a long time. And the only times we really talk to God is when we want something. Y'all know, he, y'all know he, he's really our genie in the bottle. We, we treat him like he's, you know, December 25th coming up. We treat him like he's Santa Claus. God is like, I'm not a Santa. I'm a savior. You can talk to me. And what's, what, I love about, what I love about prayer is that you don't have to have these cute, well-crafted prayers. Notice that David says complaints and moans. He gives you the content of his prayer. He said, I went to God and I had one of them, Lord, what's up prayers? Anybody ever had that prayer? Well, you just tired and you finally get to that point where you like, God, what's up? Now, look, be respectful because he opened up a cloud, zap you and you be out for two days. Be respectful in your prayers. But he's, he's not easily offended. He will allow you to complain. Notice that David complains in verse 17, but verse 18 doesn't say God killed him. God allowed him. It's grace. God allowed him. It's mercy. God wants you to come to him. And a lot lot of times what we do is instead of complaining to God, we complain about God. And so we go to everybody else. And many of you are guilty of gossiping on God. You go to friends and be like, let me tell you what God did to me. Let me tell you how God did me. And God's like, but you can actually talk to me about that. And I'm gracious and I'm merciful. And I will receive what it is that you were saying. And so he says, look, here's the content of my prayer. Content of my prayer is complaints and moans. We need to get away from these cute, well-crafted prayers. We don't like to pray in public because it's not as, you know, it's not as well-crafted as the next person. And y'all know what we really do? Y'all know we rehearse our prayers, right? I got to pray publicly, so let me get this, dear Heavenly Father. You get this whole thing. And by the time you actually pray the prayer publicly, God is like, I already heard you. Why, why are you praying it again? It's, it's already done. It's already done. You're good. So what we get in the text is the content of prayer. What's the content of prayer? I'm way over my time. What's the content of prayer? The content of prayer is complaints and moans. But we also get the consistency of prayer. I got two more points and I'm going to roll out. The consistency of prayer. Watch how consistent David is. He says, evening. And morning and at noon, I utter my complaints and moans. In other words, David at least prayed three times a day. At least. I wonder if we checked percentage-wise, how much did you pray this week in comparison to your screen time, your phone time? I feel it. I feel it in the room already. Like if you compare, forget just, I'm not talking emails. I'm not talking work. I'm talking social media. I'm I'm talking scrolling. I'm talking just being on YouTube. If you checked the amount of time, but what if this week we reversed it? Just one week. Just give me, give your boy one week. What if this week you said, I'm actually going to pray more than I'm on the phone? I bet you anxiety will start to drop. I ain't saying it'll be resolved, but I bet you it will start to drop. Look at the consistency. He says morning, evening, and noon. Do you know in ancient times, a full day was considered evening? To morning that in fact when Jesus when, when God created the universe Genesis 1 31 he looked at it, he said it was good he said the day was evening to morning but look what David does he doesn't just say evening to morning he adds noon in other words I pray every day all day and I just I wonder what our lives would be like if we were more consistent in prayer and I'll last thing I'll say is notice that David isn't rejoicing in the passage because God answered the prayer 
The prayer wasn't answered in this, chap- in this chapter. David's rejoice isn't in answered prayers. That's immature. David's rejoice is in the fact that God heard him. Let me get back in the text. Look how he ends it. And he hears my voice. So in other words, David is like, I'm rejoicing because you took me out. I'm rejoicing because at the same time you're healing cancer, you're hearing me. I'm rejoicing because at the same time you're restoring somebody else's marriage, you're doing my marriage right. I'm rejoicing because somebody else is praying to you something and you, you're not confused. You're not putting us on your calendar, but you're able to hear all of our prayers. Mature Christians want God to hear everything, but answer only everything that's according to his will. That's, immature Christians want all the everything answered. Can you imagine if that's a curse? What if God answered every one of your prayers? Y'all remember that Lord, let me marry him prayer. Y'all remember that one? What if God answered that? You'd be a hot mess right now because they're a hot mess right now. He said, the fact that you heard me is the part I rejoice over. If God never answers another prayer, and I hope he does, but if God never answered another prayer, the fact that he answered, that he hears anything is pure grace and it's only available to you because of the cross. The only reason you have divine access with the creator of the universe is because God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. What's up, mom and pop? That's the only reason. The only reason that you have access to God. By the way, do you know the Bible says in Hebrews that you can walk boldly into the throne of grace? Like, this is crazy to me. Do you know in ancient times, I got to end, in ancient times, you couldn't just mosey into the presence of a king. You would be killed for that. But God says, even though I'm holy, you have access because you believed in the one that was holy as well. The one that is 100% God and 100% man that the, 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 the uh, theologians would call the hypostatic union without the two mixing. That Jesus goes on a cross, dies for you so that you have access to God at any time. Any time. I was anxious this week, about three o'clock in the morning. Got up and just started praying. Gabe picked me up one day. I was telling Gabe, I was getting, Gabe, man, I, I just can't sleep. He's talking to me, me, you better get some white noise. And then I got, got, got home. My, 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 my son's telling me about brown noise and pink noise. I didn't even know. I'm Googling. What's, what is this, all this? But you know, really what, what, what it is is you're, you're just anxious. And sometimes you got you to gotta resolve that through prayer. And again, Please don't try to only pray when it's well-crafted or convenient. Sometimes the only prayer you can pray is, help, Lord. That's all I got. I ain't got nothing else. I just need your divine help. God knows how to send help. He don't just send help. He is help. What does he say? I'm help. I'm a very present help in the time of need. How many know that the time is now? There is somebody, we can play something soft. There, there is somebody in this room, and I, I know you're in the room. So again, sometimes I, I don't know. I know you're in the room. There's somebody in the room that has been anxious and you've been toiling. Let, let me go deeper. There's somebody in the room that you physically have been getting rest, but mentally you haven't been getting rest. You ever been laid in the bed and you're like, I'm, I'm resting. I ain't doing nothing. But you couldn't shut your mind off. It kept going, it kept going, it kept going, it kept going, it kept going. God wants to do something about that today. 
So if you're in this room and we ain't got a lot of time, I'm 18 minutes and 23 seconds over. If you're in this room and you're going, I'm, I'm tired of the toil, I'm tired of the stress, I'm tired of the anxiety. I hear you, Pastor B. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to call up that therapist. I'm going to book that vacation. I'm... But if, if you just want prayer today, I want to pray for you. Nothing spooky, nothing deep. But I think at some point we're all on the altar. Can y'all do me a favor? If that's you, come down to this altar. Don't play with it today. Everybody come around this altar. If that's you, if you would say, I'm anxious, I'm, I've been toiling. I can't get my mind off this thing. I want to run away from it. I'm, 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 I'm scared. I'm fearful. Would you come down? Y'all see these that are coming down to the altar? There's more of you. There's more of you that need to, need to submit that thing to the Lord. Give it to him, man. Give it to him. Do you know in this passage, y'all still need to be coming. I'm, I'm not sure why you're still sitting. Do you know in this very same chapter in verse 22, he says, cast all your burdens to the Lord. Can I highlight this word? All. What is it that you're still wrestling with on your own? I, th I see you coming. Father, you see the altar. You see it. And you don't only see the altar, but you see situations. Father, you see hearts. You see hardship. You see pain. You see toil. You see brokenness. You see embarrassment. You see shame. Father, your word tells us that you are the lifter of our head. So, Father, would you lift up spirits now? Would you help us to not run to other things? But help us this week to be consistent to run to you. Put us in our, in our path. Would you put the right people that can encourage us? Or would you put counselors and therapists and clinical psychologists? Would you put the right people that can help us? Because I don't want to dumb down our stress. Somebody on this altar is dealing with something serious. And they've contemplated suicide and they've contemplated hurting themselves and they contemplated just leaving it all. They contemplated just letting it go. And as I see the tears fall, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would lift us up. I pray, oh God, that you would lift our hearts, that you would lift our spirits and that we would become the conduit for somebody else's help because we overcame. Father, help us not to foolishly think that the peace that we need is found in the situation being over. But Father, you can give us peace in the middle of it. And so build testimonies. Build testimonies. Build testimonies out of those that are on the altar today. And Father, we promise, we promise to give your name all the glory because nobody can do us like you. So we promise that you are the only one we would give credit to you're the only one that can bring us out or be with us in it. So Father, we give you complete praise today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen.